Welcome to The Last American Vagabond. I have Derek Bros joining me today to discuss his recent article that we just published on The Last American Vagabond, something that's very, very prescient right now. It's exactly what is happening that we're, most people aren't paying attention to. And it's actually something that we've been talking about for a long time, telling you that this has been coming, that this has been happening. And it's interesting to see it tie in with this massive agenda that we're watching play out in front of us today. So we're going to talk about his article and a lot of other interesting things. Always a pleasure. How are you, Derek? Hey, thanks for having me on, brother. I'm doing well. Yeah, it's, I always enjoy having you on. I always find that you and I have interesting conversations that, you know, kind of just trail off onto a lot of different important things because we're always, you know, we're, we're researching so many different things, you know, and we always say, let's talk about this one topic. And then we end up going into so many different avenues that are interestingly related. And I actually, on a side note, I find that to be really important that I look back at and find the threads that we find and how it interestingly connects. So today we're going to talk about your recent article that you did you, you just published called um, Ginkgo Bioworks. Uh, Bio uh, excuse me. I was reading the, what the sign is. I did that, that sign, by the way, just always, it it's so interesting that the organism company, I just, that will be so much more. That is something that really stands out to me as an interesting thing. That's totally normal today. That used to be like almost taboo, but the, the article is entitled who is Ginkgo Bioworks and how do they fit in the biosecurity transhumanist agenda? So any, starting right off, what, what was it that, you know, caught your attention about this company? Okay. So yeah, the first thing that caught my eye, actually, I, I think I probably told you more than a month ago, I was researching this company. I don't know if I mentioned them by name, but I've had them saved in one of my many tabs. Like I need to get to this company. There's something about them. It sticks out of my head. The first thing was that I saw a press release. I'm back in May. I think it was announcing that they were about to get like a whole new round of funding. And I think there's honestly more to the story of if we were to even dig in on that specific angle, get into like the finances and how these companies raise money, because it seems like they have these different, you know, fundraising rounds. And I'm sure the the legalese of it all, there's some funny business going on, just kind of is what the gist of what I learned about what they're doing. But the point is they did, they were announcing this, you know, new uh, head company, like they're technically a biotechnology company. They're seen as definitely like a rising star that like they had just got backed by, a Gates backed company. So that's of course something that caught my eye. I was like, Oh, who is this company mm -hmm. that Bill Gates is backing? What is this about? And that was what made me first kind of set them aside and, and tell myself like, I need to dig into them. And then of course, like the preliminary research I had done just looking on their website, even is just, like you said, the organism company to me, it was kind of becoming clear to me, like what, what they were about. And so I was like, okay, it's not just some interest, some company that that Bill Gates invested in. He invested in a lot of companies. Obviously, they might not all be up to nonsense, but it was enough that that got me curious. And when I started to look further into them, I was like, yeah, okay, there's definitely something here to write about. And even as I say in the article, I'm not sure 100% where they fit into the whole. I mean, we can kind of see some of the pieces of the puzzle, but I'm not sitting here trying to claim that I didn't write about this company to say like, this is the new Amazon or something we need to all, or Monsanto or even, or whatever. Cause there's a lot of moving parts to this whole great reset agenda, as you know. And so, but this is definitely one that I haven't heard anybody talk about. And I think also what they're doing and the world that that's leading to is very much a part of the great reset. Uh, as I say, the biosecurity transhumanist agenda. And so it was just like, okay, this is a good, I think not only are they an important company, but they're a good model for, probably hundreds of companies at this point that are doing similar things out there and working on these types of projects. This one just so happens to be connected to the whole swamp. 
Right, right. And, and see, that's the bigger point. That's why this article was important, because it's not necessarily saying that this one company is everything, but this is a direction that's being taken. And it's a very open and overt direction that is only really being, it's acceptable today because of the, the new kind of justification around predominantly COVID-19. And that's what I find so interesting is that this is definitely, it's all, they, would you argue that they saw a clear rise in what they're being perceived as because of COVID-19? Absolutely, because as I point out in the article, Ginkgo Bioworks definitely has some. I'll, you know, I'll save the details for a couple minutes, but they definitely have some COVID connections, and mm-hmm. and because it's you know, Ginkgo Bioworks is kind of like the main main company, and then they've started out these different incubators, these kind of smaller startups within different divisions of their company. So they're definitely like a growing big company. And I mentioned the Gates backing. There's some other you know connections there that show that it's not just a it's not just a random company. I mean, their story, which I. Don't doubt the origin story. You know, I think that some of these companies genuinely have that, you know, they did not, they weren't necessarily hatched in the CIA's basement. Maybe so. I don't know. But the official story is like, there's this one scientist, I can't remember her name. And she was researching this stuff in 2008, 2009. She launched this company. It was just her and two other scientists. And for the first, the last like 10 years, eight or nine years, they haven't really had much success. They've been like doing small fundraising and they've kind of, they've, they've been around and they've existed and they've still been doing this research, but they said like, they built a lab, like w- as cheap as you can build a lab, I think like a hundred thousand dollars or something years ago to start studying and, and doing what they're doing now. And then in 2000, I want to say 18 is when they started to first get some of these rounds of funding. And then, yeah, all the way up to COVID, they were definitely one of the companies that received COVID money, um, mm-hmm. you know, that were bailed out or whatever during the COVID release stuff. So now with COVID around the things that they're talking about, especially one of their companies that I go into coin centric is, is directly tied to all of COVID. And I think that, as we talk about this, hopefully the listeners will really think about what a company that calls themselves the organism company that says that it's their do- job to like design cells, to design DNA, bio- biological design, biological engineering, these kinds of things. A company like that, that is, um, you know, they don't mention anything specifically about the human genome. They do talk about like cannabis plants and other like, you know, working, but they're working on DNA is the point. They're working on like right. the genetic code down to the DNA level, how to modify that, change that, et cetera. And then they're also involved in testing for COVID. So I think there's just like some weird, you know, there's some reasons to be concerned. Yeah. Well, let, I'm going to, I'm actually going to play a little clip before, and, but then let's, let's take a step back. And if, for those that may not know, walk us through what their background is. But before we do that, this is something that I've played more than a lot actually in the beginning of my show. And it's just interesting. And the reason I've done this is because of how this is before the whole COVID-19 surge and it's, and it's Pfizer is the one that they're talking about. And it shows you the direction that was around long before this. And it's about reprogramming your cells about the way. And, but what's interesting. And the reason I keep playing this is because that very point being argued in the midst of the COVID-19 discussion is suddenly fake news. That's crazy conspiracy theory. And we've talked about this. So real quick, let's watch this. And again, it's two seconds and we'll get into the what their background is. Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. 
to make them into drug factories, right? I mean, and this is something that's been openly discussed for a while, like long before this, about basically how do we just skip the, you know, skip right to the point and make you make your body produce the drug, you know? And this is the kind of concept, and this is what we're at now, where there this open wild west is what what a lot of people in that sphere are calling this, the wild west of gene of genetic engineering and genetic research, and they're openly talking about how they can use that, how they can manipulate your body to achieve an end that really doesn't necessarily align with what's best for you, you know? So it's really interesting there. So if, if you have any thoughts on that, go ahead and comment. And then let, why don't we talk about what Ginkgo Bioworks, you know, for those that don't know, what are they, what are they trying to achieve and what were they doing before COVID-19? And we're back after a brief moment of possible censorship. So we were talking about the concept of Pfizer, the clip we just played and the idea of turning the body into drug factories, which is the interesting direction this all seems to be going, right? It's something that was openly discussed before all this COVID-19 information, about this new COVID-19 surge. And the concept is, is now treated like a conspiracy theory, right? Even though it was an open direction. And if you bring that up exactly like they say it on that Forbes interview, it's called conspiracy theory. I just find that to be pretty ridiculous. If you have any comments on that, please feel free to comment. And I was going to see if you wanted to give us a little background on what Ginkgo Bioworks did before COVID-19, what their stated direction is as a company. Yeah. So, I mean, on the Pfizer comment, I think that, I mean, it's clear you've just, you've covered this probably more than anybody that this is the, this is part of the the transhumanist technocracy. The technocracy, people tend to only think about it in terms of uh, surveillance. You know, I, that's definitely a big aspect that I, I've harped on. Uh, surveillance, control of movement, all these kinds of things. But technocracy and the push towards transhumanism is, I think it's clear by this point of trying to take people beyond being human or, you know, more than human or even maybe kind of anti-human in some ways, sort of this idea that our bodies aren't good enough and that we need these different technologies, whether that's mRNA technology, whether that's graphene or whether that's um, this ginkgo bioworks stuff, that we need these technologies in order to help us evolve or kind of go to the next stage. And clearly they're selling it to people as like the cure to everything, as you've said, like they now are talking about mRNAs for cancer and for other things that uh, it, it's not going to go away anytime soon. And I think it's also clear in, in the sense that uh, Moderna, as you and Whitney have talked about and covered that, you know, they see it as like an operating system. They see us as an operating system that can be upgraded, which I think that that's an interesting metaphor and, and maybe there's some validity to it, right? But uh, I think that maybe they're thinking about it in different terms as opposed to maybe people who are like, oh, I'm going to, you know, bring in a new operating system and elevate my mental state or whatever, right? They're talking about creating you as a digital, as as Ginkgo Bioworks, a bio computer, essentially, like something mm -hmm. that that can be designed and modified and, and changed. Yeah. I mean, th this is the, this is their website right here. And this is what I keep trying to show people. And even in the way they discuss it, it's not really a metaphor. Like that's, what's important people to understand. Like they're, they are actually taught. And this is even, even the, pe the people in working with the companies, Moderna specifically have stated that, look, if we get this set up next time, there's a pro all we need to do is next there's a problem. All we need to do is just grab the code right? This is the genetic code that gets sent to us, insert it into our platform and pump out the new product. No safety trials required, right? That's what their argument is. And so it's not, this is actually being done on a computer screen, which by the way, was actually how this started. I've shown people this as well. The, uh, I believe this is the correct one. Yeah. So, you know, we've shown, I've run over this many times on the show about how you go down to the bottom of the creation of this on the Moderna website, which is interestingly now scrolled all the way down. You see that on January 11th, Chinese authorities shared genetic sequence. 
right? On January 13, they're already finalizing the sequence for their actual mRNA-1273, which is the one they're still giving to people today. So in the process of two days, you have genetic code, and then you're already in the process of beginning your production. That's ridiculous. And this is what they're already getting into today, right? And so that's the concept. It's like skipping past all of what we've been doing and just hoping that this is actually accurate or that they're, you know, have the right intentions, which is where I always focus in on. But your your point there was really that it's, it's this is what we need to be focusing on, right? The, the, the new direction, the way that they're trying to hijack our health. And I often connect this with the concept of the American uh, Medical Association, the Flexner Report, the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, right? It's the same thing happening again today where they hijacked James Corbett's documentary, who, you know, how and how, why big oils, uh, uh, now I'm blanking on it, stole the world or uh, conquered the world, right? The world. And, and and he talks about that exact topic and they, they grabbed it and they redirected it into petrochemical drugs. I genuinely believe that's what's happening today. They're grabbing this, they're saying nanotechnology, mRNA, this is where you're going to go, whether or not it's best for you, you know? Just on that note, I just wanted to add to that. It's really interesting. Yeah. And I mean, so I'll start to get now into Ginkgo Bioworks because mm -hmm. I think it's, it segues nicely here. And the world that I just want to mention this because it's one of my favorite movies, but also it's a scary vision. One of the many you know visions we have out there in pop culture of where we're headed. Uh, it's a movie called Gattaca, which I think came out in like 1998 or 1999. And that is an amazing movie that a lot of the stuff we're about to talk about with Ginkgo Bioworks and some other companies we've seen and this idea of designer babies and all this stuff like that movie Gattaca shows that kind of world of how the future evolves, where you end up with different classes of people, the people who can afford to genetically engineer their babies and, you know, try to breed out disease or alcoholism or whatever. That's and they they have a certain class and then others who can't afford to do that. And I can't remember, you know, they have a, a name for the, the lower classes or whatever. But my point is, you can see they don't talk about how the world got that way. They just show this is the world. This is a potential future. But everything we're seeing today, I believe in everything that companies like Ginkgo Bioworks are working on, even with the best of intentions, can very much lead to that world. And that's obviously what the people behind the Great Reset want. Right. Um, so as I mentioned with Ginkgo Bioworks, they were founded in 2009 by different uh, scientists. And, and again, there's an MIT connection. I didn't get focus on that um, for this, at least at the moment. Maybe these particular scientists, maybe they're connected to Epstein, right? Or something like that. I don't know. But I do think that um, it's just interesting. You know, they come from MIT. So these are like some some educated scientists, you know, in, in engineering biology is what they call it. And specifically, Ginkgo Bioworks says that they, quote, design, engineer, develop, test, and license organisms, which is interesting. And again, they consider this to be biology desi by design. And one other quote from their website says that they program cells to make everything from food to materials to therapeutics. And they're focused on using genetic engineering you know, with DNA to design and print new DNA for different uh, products. And this is like for plant products. Like I said, they have a one company focused on cannabis, uh, bacteria, and the main uses that they describe at least as far as Ginkgo Bioworks is what they're doing is uh, like cosmetic treatments. They talk about um, some of it's really interesting. Honestly, I think it's like, wow, this is like the potentially good side of some of this technology, right? At least the things that they're publicly talking about uh, things that like, Oh, we can create a, a bioorganism that can put more nitrogen in the soil and can help farmers who are having nitrogen deficiencies. It just, you know, that's one example they, they go into. Right. But What's important and what I notice is it's not just like, so you got Ginkgo Bioworks and they have a number of different companies that I'll mention in a few moments, but also what we have to remember is that they are essentially like a, um, like this is their kind of proprietary technology, right? So they lease it out or license it out to 
other companies or maybe governments or militaries who want access to their equipment and to the things that they've created. Like they say they have like a foundry and they, you know, they develop the technology and the scientific um, knowledge and the biological knowledge on how they can print DNA as they, as they describe it. And so companies can come to them and say, Hey, we, you know, see you're doing this, this, and this field. We want to borrow that particular technology, or maybe they come to them and say, we have an idea on how this might be able to, you know, we can use this in some way. Can you help us make that happen? So I think that's interesting because again, understanding what Ginkgo Bioworks does is interesting and knowing who they're connected to is important, but ultimately I think it's their list of clients, which would probably be more interesting. And if we can, uh, at the moment, I didn't see other than the few companies they've started, I haven't seen anybody specifically list like this is who Ginkgo Bio, who has purchased this technology from Ginkgo Bioworks and what they're using it on. But I think that will probably be uh, even more, like I said, yield more fruit and be more interesting. But um, one of the things I mentioned in the article is just that they definitely are, despite having that period that I mentioned, it was 2009 to 2015 when they were, you know, they claimed that they were really broke and they didn't have any investments and it was just small money here and there. Then they got $9 million from uh, some investors in 2015. A couple months later, they got $45 million and, um, Gen then in 2000, yeah, 2018, they raised a total of $429 million. And as I show in the article, the two companies, at least two of the investment companies, Viking Global Investors and Cascade Investment, are both connected to, you know, this kind of gates in the, the, uh, the greater reset because Viking Global Investors and Cascade Investment are both listed as partners on the World Economic Forum. And Gates is the sole owner of Cascade Investment. Right. It's also, it's important to point out though, and, and this is what you kind of alluded to in the beginning is, and this is not to suggest that these are not valid points or that there's not something to be concerned about with these connections, because I hope people know by my work that that's obviously what I'm thinking right now is there's something to be concerned about here. But it's also important to point out that there's, you know, someone like these people, Bill Gates, for instance, has connections to so many more people than we could possibly realize. And so, you know, you throw something into the air, you might hit something Bill Gates is connected to, right? That doesn't mean that everything that's tied to him is necessarily part of some larger agenda, but it also doesn't mean you should dismiss everything he's connected to because it, he's connected to everything, right? That's, it's important to make that clear. But these are, these are interesting to me because of how it all ties back to specifically the World Economic Forum, the direction they're going, and how all of this alliance with the direction they're trying to achieve. I mean, that's just plainly obvious that it works together, you know, and, and when you're talking about the, the tie-in with the government, which is the next part you talk about in the article that how suddenly the government steps in and starts funding COVID-19 research. I mean, it all just comes together in a nice little, nice little package. You couldn't have made it work better for the, what they're trying to achieve. You know, it's almost like they set it up to where, Oh, look at that. COVID justifies exactly what we were just trying to explain, you know, and, and all of a sudden they get more money, just what they needed when they were struggling. You know, it's interesting to see how that goes. My Conspiracy theory here is just standing up when you see something like that happen, you know, and it just, especially with the government and the agenda and all of this, you know. So, what are your thoughts on the funding specifically from the government and the timing of it and the tie into COVID 19 from what they were working on? Like, do you find that to be cat normal or do you is there something more there? I, I definitely think there's more there. That's why I included it. But also, I just, you know, briefly, I appreciate that you kind of reiterated that, reiterated that point as far as, you know, that Gates is connected to a lot of people. You know, MIT is, there's a lot of people there. I'm sure they're not all connected to Epstein, right? Like there's, and even some who are, were connected to Epstein or were connected to Gates doesn't necessarily mean they're involved in something nefarious. These people kind of wiggle their way all over the world. 
But like I said, it, it was like, a okay, Gates is funding this company. That was my initial kind of peaking my interest. Let me look into it and see if there's more. And lo and behold, there is more. And, you know, I continued to dig. Uh, but yeah, when the government got involved, uh, it was November 2020. So they get a one, and it's not, it's not a small amount of money. They get $1.1 mm -hmm. $1 .1 billion. So we're talking about a company that claims that between 2009 and 2015, they had like, you know, basically pennies they were scraping pennies by you know to get to build a lab for them to start their work and then they get 45 million dollars 1 billion you know they get valued at 1 billion then four, uh, 429 million and then all the way up to 1 billion 1.1 billion from the US government for covid testing and the production of raw materials for therapies that may help address future pandemics so obviously that's a pretty big role like they're putting right. them in this position giving them a billion dollars in taxpayer money to develop covid taxpayer. testing Exactly. Yep. Taxpayer money. That's what bothers me more than anything is at a time when people can't feed their families or pulling a billion dollars out of the funds to give it to people to work on something that's arguably not necessary in that situation. And on top of that, why in the world does an organism company have any stake in a COVID testing scenario? You know what I mean? And that's what scares me the most is why does that make sense? Of course, they add on and other things that we won't really describe. You know, it's like the COVID testing was clearly the important part. And it brings to mind the concepts of why we were jamming things, the blood brain barrier or why there were there's a lot of questions around what yeah. was happening in this period that no one's explained yeah no absolutely i think that's a really good point um one other kind of covid connection actually there's two other ones uh, and it's through the company Al alonia which is a company that was supported by ginkgo so again that's what i was saying is like ginkgo bioworks now seems like it's becoming this kind of the main infrastructure the main company with sub companies within there but then they're also mm -hmm. They're rich enough now, I guess, to start kind of their own little what they call a ferment consortium, which they describe as a $350 million investment vehicle leveraging biology to solve global challenges and transform established industries. So, yeah. So, I mean, this is basically them saying, look, now we got money. Well, now we're going to go out there and find other companies. We're going to transform industries by leveraging biology. So one of the companies that they supported through this ferment consortium is called Alonia. And it's interesting, again, to note that the companies that they do support through this consortium, they say that they, quote, gain access to Ginkgo's foundry for biological engineering. It's uh, iterative code base model. So they're getting their code and an extensive industry network of partners and investors. And that kind of leads into Gates right. and the others. But so they're not just buying like it's not just that the companies that they're supporting and the companies they are creating um, or starting you know, are connected to them alone, which is, you know, like, okay, what are they going to be involved? What are they, how are they going to be hacking DNA and designing, uh, printing DNA or whatever else? How's that going to be put to use? But it also is giving them access to their technology and to their extensive industry of network of partners and, and investors. So, right. Yeah. So that kind of means that somebody like a Gates or the World Economic Forum and others who are connected to this company will then kind of be, they'll be able to present themselves as investors or, advisors to these other companies that they come and support, which to me is like only further, like, you know, if you're just a company out there, imagine you're just some company, a small biology startup that's starting to do things like this and for positive reasons, or you believe positive reasons. And then a big company, what's now a big company at Ginkgo Bioworks comes and gives you $350 million. And then they say, now you have access to all of our technology and our tools. Oh, also we have this network of, you know, uh, partners and investors and advisors that can help you. I feel like that opens up the opportunity for the World Economic Forum and their Great Reset Agenda to start 
working their way into other unsuspecting mm -hmm. companies that might initially have nothing to do with this. Yes. You know what I mean? This is a big point and this is where it ties in. And this perfectly goes into the next part of your article is the public, the private, the public private partnership idea. Right. And, and this is the, as I've called in the past, just a government shell game. I mean, it's basically moving around. You know, we know we can't FOIA request things when the government crosses over into this public private scenario, even though it's the government using your tax dollars. And it's the same concept here. You know, it's so you got the government giving them a billion dollars, then you got Ginkgo Bioworks giving people from beneath that something else. So you you could draw a line straight back to the U.S. government pulling from your pocket. You know, and so and and this is a problem because this. At what point do we, we, you lose track of where it's actually the government and where it's actually using those tax dollars and it just becomes this foggy mess. And that's the point, right? So you don't really know what's going on. And this, and this is, I think it was uh, Professor, uh, Professor Michelle Chostowski pointed this out in the interview with Taylor, that, that he believes that what they're actually creating is like as the World Economic Forum and the, and the whole kind of network is the world government. Right. And it's not even really a hard thing to see. They're right now basically directing every government to go a certain way. And it's like, we're never even really going to acknowledge it as such. It just will become what it is. And they're handing down health mandates and health is now the leading factor, you know, and that's an alarming concept. And so the public private partnership is like this umbrella that covers how obvious that is, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, I think I think that you're 100 percent right, man, that the uh, public private partnership is basically a smokescreen for global government. And there's there's actually a few issues that I've covered over the years that kind of fit this mold. And it just, you know, they they as we've covered before in the past with the parasite stress theory, mm -hmm. they clearly understood that a parasite, a fear of a pathogen could allow them to have an international scenario that would require cooperation from the entire world and not just dominate one country, but, you know, terrorize the whole population. And one of the other issues, just to kind of, just to throw it out there while we're talking about this, that is, uh, and there's many, geoengineering, you know, the idea of geoengineering, what, you know, not even going to the conspiratorial route, but the mainstream route, they're like, well, should we consider geoengineering to save the, you know, the planet and stop climate change? Well, if one country does it, well, then we all got to work on this international agreement. We're going to have to have an international body to govern how we, you know, and it's, so I have an article out there called geoengineering is a gateway to global government, kind of talking about the same idea, but on, on this specifically, uh, so, yeah, the public-private partnership, that brings us, as I mentioned, that they have this network of partners and investors. And some of those investors that we talked about, Cascade Investment, Cascade is an investment company 100% solely controlled by Bill Gates. Like that is one of his vehicles that he actually uses to shuffle his money around besides the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Just, that's what, that's important to just in shoehorn in right there. That's exactly what we're talking about. I mean, that's exactly the point. So you have this guy, you know, Bill Gates, who's obviously using a lot of tax dollar funded projects and money coming in as well and and funneling it off into a, an investment group that then use that money to invest and you lose sight of what's really happening at least in the american the, the mind of the american public you know and this that matters to people right now i mean even bill gates even kind of disintegrated even the mainstream discussion right and yet here he is interconnected to every little thing that's happening around this really alarming situation for most americans 50% of them in fact that are feeling like they're being forced into something it just it's hard to miss how obvious that is. Yeah. And, you know, just to add to that, because the only reason if, if anybody has heard of Cascade in the last couple months, it's probably because Cascade, you know, you the story was going around. I know you and plenty of others covered it about Bill Gates becoming the largest holder of farmland in the United States. And obviously it's not like because of just the way the laws work, it, the, the, the money, the, the land is not in Bill Gates's name you know, just Bill Gates on the dotted line, it's under the name Cascade Investment. So it's actually through, which of course, like I said, Bill Gates is the sole controller of, so it's him, but it's like Bill Gates, Cascade Investment, and then he started to buy up all these different farmland, different projects. So 
Cascade is also one of the investors in Ginkgo Bioworks. And, um, you know, we go a little further. Ginkgo Bioworks, as I show in the article, they're listed as a partner in the World Economic Forum. And uh, this audience is familiar with the Great Reset, so we don't even have to talk about you know, the World Economic Forum there. But mm-hmm. it wasn't just that, like, because there's, again, there's a lot of companies that the World Economic Forum partners at. I mean, I've, this is something I think we spoke about before that I've even talked to some, you know, the, one of the guys, the, one of the lead former developers at Monero, which is like a privacy coin that a lot of people see is like, hey, the government can't crack Monero. He was invited to speak at the World Economic Forum before. And I got into this little debate with him, a discussion with him about this. But he said, yeah, he's like, they invited me. And it was like some side event. I didn't meet Klaus Schwab or anything. It was just a bunch of rich people hobnobbing. Like he didn't get invited into the club, right? He got invited to come speak, but not everybody that's tangentially involved or listed on the website. I just think it's important to emphasize that because unfortunately, man, I see some in our online communities and specifically alternative media kind of just we 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 run the risk of falling prey to the fallacy of guilt by association you know and just like because it's just this it must be that right and i just want to make it clear that's not the only thing i'm trying to say is like hey look bill gates has been invested in that that's why you should be concerned it's more than that so Jason Kelly, who's the CEO of Ginkgo Bioworks, he's all, it's not just the company listed as a partner at the World Economic Forum. He's also directly listed. And uh, another person, Ryan Moorhard, the director of policy and partnerships, he's also listed as an author at the World Economic Forum. So the director of policy and partnerships, one of those partnerships is clearly the World Economic Forum. He's listed there. The CEO of the company is listed there. The company themselves is listed there. And uh, before Ryan Moorhard, the director of policy, was involved um, with Ginkgo Bioworks, he was leading the World Economic Forum's work on global health security and biological risks. And as I say in there again, it's not fair to assume that every single company is involved in the Great Reset, but it should encourage you to remain skeptical and kind of think deeper about who this company is. I have to be honest, though, like just and this is just because probably obviously flavored by what's happening today. I have a deep suspicion right now of anything involved in the concept of global health security and biological risks. Like, I, you know what I mean? And it's not because of some unfounded irrational concern. This is obviously a vehicle by which they, on which they're using to, or with which they're using to completely take over. I mean, it's, and I mean, it's just like everything else in the past. It doesn't mean there's not a valid concern, right? I mean, going back to, to like the security state, 9-11 scenario, right? Are there people out there trying to do bad things? Obviously, but that doesn't mean they can just kind of grab the whole world and shake it down. You know, that's again, what's happening right here. So I don't know, just this is a, an unfounded direction. It's not for, like uh, Dr. Boyle, for instance, right? The founder of the Biowarfare Act, who would tell us these things are bioweapons. It's not what they're doing is dangerous. We know they're not really ultimate. I mean, Fauci just got called out in front of Congress yet, but this is still a major direction. They're still using your tax dollars, right? I think we should all be inherently skeptical about the general concept of global health security. I just want to make sure that's a very- Absolutely. No, I I 100% agree with that. I mean, obviously, like after, after a certain period of time, you know, you, we should learn from we should learn from history, right? And so, if right. they continue to use the war on terror to steal our rights, then we should pay attention. You know, be weary when they use those words. And if mm-hmm. they continue to use like, hey, f- you know, fighting for global health in these same ways, we should be weary of that. I just definitely want to, and I know that you, you, this is not an issue you have, but that sometimes I think some of the audience and others, some other content creators might just sort of. And, you know, I, even I have to like steal myself from that. Like, okay, just because Bill Gates is involved, maybe that doesn't mean anything. Okay. Then you go to right. the next layer. And then when you start peeling back the layers with some of the companies like Ginkgo Bioworks, you end up knee deep in World Economic Forum propaganda. Right. So um, some more examples of that. 
I found that the uh, World Economic Forum and Ginkgo Bioworks have been working together since at least June 2016. And again, they call themselves an organism design company. And they were listed as one of the technology pioneers and given this grant. It doesn't say, the press release I saw didn't say how much the grant was for, but they were given a grant, uh, an award. And I definitely think there's a financial component to it. It didn't say, though, uh, that uh, for the world's most innovative companies. And they said that basically this is chosen by a jury and with again with this selection this gives ginkgo access to quote influential and sought after business and political network worldwide so this is what i was just talking about like mm -hmm. they themselves are saying hey we're going to fund companies through our ferment consortium and that's going to give people access to our technology and to our worldwide network and that comes after just a couple of years before they had won an award from the world economic forum and when the world economic forum said hey now you get access to our network so you could argue that the network that they're offering to people is at least in part the World Economic Forum Network. Well, and, and I would add to that too, that it's, I can guarantee it's a huge benefit, right? So it's like, we'll let you in the circle, right? You'll get all sorts of connections. You'll get, you have the you'll, money won't be a problem, right? But that I'm sure comes with certain stipulations that probably aren't discussed or the simple fact that they probably then in reverse have access to you, like you have access to them. That's just my opinion. But I mean, it seems the way you'll have access to influential sought after businesses. It sounds like a selling point. And I mean, it is. I mean, that's that's not even an argument. That's clearly a benefit to somebody's company in this field. So I there's a leverage point there. I'm sure. That's my opinion, though. No, I think you're right about that. Um, so just I know that you've covered this in the past and I, and I have and I'm sure some others have. But last year and even prior to last year, but specifically last year, the World Economic Forum started launching these platforms. You know, last year they launched the COVID-19 right. action platform. And and there's this other thing that they I don't know if it's their program or something they use. But if you look up on their website, Strategic Intelligence, you've seen it, Ryan. It's like this whole map that they have, like this grid of all the different things they want to do and how like, oh, here's 5G, here's health and here's and they've got these platforms for a number of different issues. And so I found Geeko Bioworks listed as a World Economic Forum partner under two of the platforms. One of the platforms is called Shaping the Future of Advancing Manufacturing and Production, and the other Shaping the Future of Health and Healthcare. So Advancing Manufacturing and Production, and I'm guessing they mean biological manufacturing, mm -hmm. and then obviously health and healthcare. So it just kind of shows again that like Ginkgo is definitely being seen by the World Economic Forum as worthy of getting these awards from them, getting access to their network and being part of these platforms, you know, and then Viking Global Investors, I sort of, I think I briefly mentioned this earlier, Viking Global Investors, one of the other investors in Ginkgo is also listed as a partner with them. And they're listed under the Shaping the Future of Financial and Monetary Systems platform. So these platforms they kind of portray themselves as a method to confront various issues, climate change, mm -hmm. COVID, et cetera. And, you know, then we're going to work together, cooperation, government and private corporations and industries. But really, when I look at it, I see it, as I said in the article, that this is like a clear roadmap for where the Davos class wants to take and, and remake exactly. and reset the world. Exactly. Well, and does anybody even stop for a moment and ask... Why are we? Why do they feel that it's their job to re, to shape the future? Is this what Americans actually want? Has this been an agreed upon shape? You know, it's 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 interesting that they're we're going to shape the future of health and healthcare platforms. Okay, well, it it, it that's something that Americans should be involved in, wouldn't you think? You know, and that's not what's happening. That's again the same point from earlier. They're they're taking the heart the reins and they're driving it where they want it to go. 
And, and this is even, this is actually verifiably it directly at the expense of things Americans still do want. It may, whether you talk about the artificial intelligence discussion, the legacy systems, that's all part of this whole direction, you know, such as Americans each having their own car. They're like, that's got to go. <laughs> it's like, okay, do Americans want that to go? It's not really about what we want, but this idea of shaping our health future is just really interesting to me and how it it's clearly in a direction that it's going against what people feel they actually desire right now, you know, and it's, it seems nefarious. I mean, it's hard. That's my opinion. And you have these platforms in the same way. They're collecting these people that all feel the same way and kind of driving this platform and using it all under a guise of you're in danger, right? Like we, like, here's an interesting thought. Let me know what you think about this. We've seen, I mean, American I mean, healthcare, whatever you want to call it has been on in decline for a long time. And we all know that, right? We, you, you don't have a country when you have, I think in the top three causes of death, medical treatment, if your healthcare is rocking and rolling, you know, we're, we're in a bad way. And then, I mean, first point is, is that by design has this been leaning into a situation where they go, we need to redesign everything because it's broken. Right. And then ask yourself whether this whole, like, and this is probably going to piss people off. Like there's this whole Medicare for all push that's really political, right? Now, in no way am I arguing that's not something we should want, but everybody to have medical health care. That's obviously a no-brainer. But is it not is that something that's being pushed really aggressively from a political angle and making it really big news so they can have they can point to it and be like, well, yes, we do need something different, and here's your solution. You know, I don't think that's what the Medicare for all argument is wanting. They don't want this new reshaping or you know, but that is a segue, right? So you have any thoughts on either of those? I think that's an interesting possibility. Uh, yeah, I mean, so just on the Medicare for all thing, I think that I do think, and again, without getting into the political about should the government be doing this or whatever, mm -hmm. like not, you know, I think that it's clear though, if you can get the state to support Medicare for all, getting the government more involved in people's healthcare, especially with the biosecurity, bio health, right. like 1984, everything we're seeing now, do you not think they're going to mandate vaccines if you want Medicare for all? Do you okay. not think they're going to require like require you to wear some wearable device to, you know, they, we already see them working on these things. So I don't see how you get a Medicare for all without getting those other components. That's, that's a kind great of my point. first thinking. That's you know? a huge point. I mean, that's funny. I, I mean, I, I I'm, didn't in this in this point I'm making, I didn't even really think about that in the same point is that. I mean, obviously, we're always of the mindset more government involvement is worse. That's I mean, that's my opinion. I'm sure I think you agree. So it, how do you, how do you bring them in and let them control Medicare for everybody and then pretend that they're not going to force and influence and drive it the same way we're talking about? You know, that's interesting because I know a lot of those people don't support forced vaccinations, don't support the masks and all this stuff. So that's I, I doubt that they've even thought about that. And this is the interesting problem with this two party scenario is that you, at some level you still blindly trust that the government wants what's best for you. I, we're not six years old anymore. That's pretty obviously not what's going on. And I think everybody can see that unless they've chosen to believe in one side. They look at the other side as the bad guy, evil boogeyman, and the other side's fighting for me. And, you know, it's it's just, it's we need to get past that. I think you made a great point right there. I didn't talk about that in the future. Yeah, I think it's definitely something I want to explore as well. Um, yeah, and then I guess I'll just, I'll move forward a little bit more on the, the platforms here. Uh, I guess we kind of covered the platforms. And the other point I wanted to make with Ginkgo is uh, we talked about the that Ferment Consortium, which is their investment vehicle to invest in other companies. 
And they also, they describe it as, quote, a private investment vehicle for funding ginkgo spin-out companies. So again, they're trying to create new companies themselves Mm. with transformative potential in established industry. And again, they gain full access to their platform for cell programming and the market expertise of leading strategic partners. And leading strategic partners, to me, that would be World Economic Forum and other people that are part of their network. And so two of the companies that they launched um, that I found, there's more for sure, but two of the first two we'll look at that they've launched in the last two years. One is called Join Bio and the other is called Motif Foodworks. And Join launched, and this is again, another kind of connection to that same swamp. They launched a partnership with Bayer Crop Sciences, uh, by Bayer, Monsanto, of course, mm-hmm. uh, with $100 million in financing and Motif Foodworks with $90 million and strategic support from uh, these other two companies, Fonterra and Louis Dreyfus Company. I didn't look into those ones specifically. There might be some connections worth exploring. Um, but yeah, so they they have those two companies. Join Bio is this is the one I was mentioning earlier that they say that their main focus is developing microbes which mm-hmm. can lessen farmer dependence on synthetic nitrogens and be able to print the DNA, I guess, of these microbes and create them in a lab and then sell them to farmers and they you know can use that to help the soil. And again, like in a perfect scenario, maybe with benevolent people running around like. That, that probably can be useful. Maybe it still will be useful despite all the other insane stuff well, going if, on. If I could add real quick that, that yeah, that, that's definitely useful in, in, no matter what. The problem is, and I'm sure you would agree, is that there's always somebody out there, especially today in authority, that are, would be willing to take that and harness it in a negative way. Sort of like a good example is the insect allies discussion. I'm, I think you remember that one where that basically they were coming out with this program that we're going to use insects to biologically, you know, save and help and protect these, you know, whatever the, the crops. And I think it was like 50 scientists around the world put this big statement out and said, well, no, this is a bioweapon. Like that could just as easily be used in the reverse to destroy the crops. And it turns out that's really what the program was all about. And, you know, this is the problem. Is it anybody could have used that and protected everybody. But the problem is there's people in government that go, ah, but we don't like Iran. We don't like Syria. So we're going to use it against those bad guys and hurt the people in the process, you know? So it's, 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 there's always a positive and negative. It's just about how you apply it. It's the intention. That's what I say about vaccine technology and everything. I don't trust the intention behind what they're doing today, you know? Please, please yeah. And I think that's kind of, man, it's, it's just, it's a weird world we're moving into because you're right. It's like, we, we, we can pray and hope and, and, you know, support the scientists and researchers that, cause this technology is out there. Clearly people are all up in it. It's not just going to disappear. They've probably got it saved in labs and other places that even if you went there and thought, Oh, let's just destroy all the labs or whatever, you know, like that's not going to stop this. Like, I don't think we can make this technology go away or any form of technology. It's not just going to disappear unless there is some like, catastrophic EMP, whatever. I don't know. But right. short of that, are we calling for any kind of violence or any kind of acts on yeah. this thing just for the sensors out there? <laughs> yeah. My point is just that like, if you believe that stopping this was key, which I like, I definitely am trying to stop the great reset. Uh, but I don't think we can stop the technology itself. And I don't really know that there's a perfect answer for that. Cause like you said, the intention does matter. These technologies ultimately are tools. And obviously one of those tools could be developing microbes that helps farmers grow more food and, you know, have less right. nitrogen problems. Like that's pretty good. But there could be another way that the military learns to harness that same technology or some terrorist, you know, real terrorist, not FBI, right. uh, you know, uses in some way. But I don't know. So I just think that that's kind of where we're at. We're in this really, like I said, this go into this Gattaca sort of engineering babies type world. And some of these folks, they don't want to stop to ask any ethical or moral questions about it. Like you said earlier, one of the points I, I forgot to make is that, like like you said, like how is, are the people 
calling for this. This is something I've tried to put in the articles too, is that I don't think the push for 5G or the push for a great reset or transforming the world is a really organic call from the people. Like I don't mm -hmm. see people happen. They're, they're, if anything, people are reacting to what they're being told is necessary. And so that is, again, it's a perfect example of what technocracy is. These are unelected people right. outside of government, public, private, whatever, and they're sitting there just putting plans out how they're going to transform the world. And like you said, well, who the heck asked you? We didn't ask, you know, we're not asking for help. We got it. Right. Cool. Like, you know, but they've, they position themselves as these great heroes and saviors that are going to be able to do it with it for everybody. Cause they've got this technology. They know what's better. Um, they know what's yeah. best for us, right? That it's this, this parental mentality. All right. I don't, I take that back immediately because I don't think they see it that way, but it's, it's, it's this, you know, uh, I don't know what would be the right analogy, but it's it's a control thing. And it's about telling it's us control. what they know is best. And it's not our choice, right? And it's, that's, I mean, we are living that with this scenario. We used to pretend like, well, they guide us with what they think. No, look at where we are. Suddenly your constitutional rights don't matter because danger, fear, right? And then it's just like, this is what we're doing. And you 50.4% of the country that's not vaccinated are all problematic, anti-conspiracy. You know, think about what, how crazy that is. Same thing in Germany right now. Only 49% of them are vaccinated and they're telling you they're going to force the majority of the country into a, into a certain position. I can't even believe we're talking about this and it's actually happening. I mean, it's, it's pretty wild. It is pretty wild. Uh, and it, we're definitely not the, the minority, or at least I think we're becoming less and less of a minority. Um, what, so one other, there's two more companies I want to mention as we start to wrap up and we get into some more fun kind of connections. Our friends from DARPA show up that the other company that uh, Ginkgo has funded, it's called Motif Foodworks. And again, check out their website. It's linked in the article. They seem really interesting. They seem like, again, this, uh, this in the, the right hands, the right minds could help a lot of people could maybe mm -hmm. produce food that is nutritious uh, because they're, they're not talking about totally creating like food from like just like wood or something like that. They're talking about going to the genetic code of food, different types of food, soybeans, for example, and then being able to recreate those uh, molecules and, and the DNA code for that and then grow soy that has been essentially, I mean, it's a form of genetic engineering without a doubt for sure. Right. So right. again, in the best version of this, it could be something amazing. That's, I mean, that's always been the case with genetically engineered, genetically modified food. Clearly though, there have been health problems showing up with the stuff we already have. There's the pesticide issue. There's so many other things. This company, Motif Foodworks claims they're going to do it, you know, in a way that makes food healthier, sustainable, delicious, and accessible to everyone. But I did note that this work of them, it does fit right in with the World Economic Forum's push for genetically right. engineered lab-grown foods. Yeah, we we've, we've been here before, right? <laughs> we've been yeah. here before. we've seen Monsanto. We we've, we've been in this process and it didn't work out well for people in India, right? But um, that's, you know, that's kind of how they're framing it. They're promising us this is going to be the best like food, it's going to be ethical and just and this and that. Right. And again, maybe these scientists who are starting this technology have good intentions. We'll see what happens, but I I'm not in a rush to try any of this stuff, I'll say for sure. Um so the the other company I'll mention and we can get into some a few other connections of the people involved in the actual company of Ginkgo is a uh, coin centric. So this is the one I mentioned earlier that got $1.1 billion to, um, to get, well, they had two, they actually had two loans. The one I mentioned earlier was $1.1 billion, which was coming from the government under COVID for testing. Right. And this is a, research. That's yeah, this is the That's wastewater COVID. one. Yeah. Which I think is interesting, too, because we, as I mentioned in there, like, you know, it was around last year when they started talking about like, hey, we need to study the wastewater systems to detect COVID and this and that different governments were talking about that. And so this company under Ginkgo, uh, Coincentric, their uh, public health and biosecurity team, they've specifically been involved in uh, testing uh, schools, kids in schools. So we've got wastewater 
Children. treatment. We've got testing, developing. And yeah, when you go to that company, Coincentric, I mean, I watched all the videos. It's pretty crazy. I mean, it's really creepy, man. The videos on their site just show kids in the classroom with um, masks on. And and they're like, oh, we don't use the long uh, the long ones that go up your brain. They're, they're shorter things. So we, we like to say, if you can pick your nose, you can take a test, you know, like, and so they have it set up where the kids are just sticking their own test up their nose every class or every day and then putting it in a thing in the front of the class and then they're allowed to stay or whatever. But so, yeah, you have a, that company is under coin centric coin I mean, under Ginkgo. Ginkgo Bioworks is talking about designing DNA, printing DNA. And they're the organism company. That's how they call themselves. They, they design biology. And I bet you, bet you, bet you, bet you that none of these schools are signing any kind of private privacy agreements for themselves or the students, which would then open Ginkgo and their company Coincentric when they're going around and swabbing all those kids and they they call it pool testing. So like the kids, everybody in the, the room, they put the thing up their nose and then they go put it in one container and they send that container and they test them all. And then they said that if there's a certain percentage of them that, that come back or whatever, then they're like, oh, they're like, hey, you might have an infection in your class. Now we need to do more specific testing. Wow. My point here is though that there's no discussion from what I saw on their website or pri privacy policy listed about what happens once that DNA is connect uh, is collected or you know if what they could do with it, right? So mm -hmm. it, it could definitely be very problematic that a company that is involved in this sector is um, is is also involved in COVID testing like that. I wanted to bring up your article here that you wrote, Bill Gates, China, 23andMe, and your DNA, just to remember how kind of loosey-goosey this whole damn thing is, where apparently they're just, your DNA samples are just going over to a Chinese company, which is just ridiculous to me in a situation where we're like screaming China bad guy, but yet this is, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, so I definitely think that when we're talking about DNA, I well, for those who haven't read that article that I put together about Bill Gates, China and 23andMe, which I do plan to do a second part of uh, in the near future because there's definitely more to that story. Um, I recommend reading that because then you might better understand why I'm sitting here expressing concerns about a company like Ginkgo Bioworks having access to to nasal swabs and things of that sort because you know, they, they can, when you, for example, when you do 23andMe to find out your ancestry, sometimes you just spit on a thing or you can do a nose swab in the same way that you would do a COVID test, right? So you don't have to go all the way up in the brain. Obviously, mm -hmm. they don't have to do that. And now they're, this company, Ginkgo Bioworks, is working with schools around the U.S. and trying to, I think they might have a, a national contract uh, with the U.S., especially as we're going back to school in the coming months. And so uh, they're, again, without privacy protections, we should assume that these companies are harvesting that data and saving it. Maybe Ginkgo Biorx is going to spin off another company that they then use that DNA they've collected with for some reason or to fund their genomic research. I mean, there's all right. kinds of both legitimate and scary reasons that they could hold on to that. And uh, since you brought that one up, Ryan, I just want to share one quick article uh, mm -hmm. real quick that this is one that I actually haven't fully read yet. It's just been on my browser. And, and now this conversation is reminding me to, to uh, read it. It was published by Reuters how long ago? Uh, I don't know if there's a date on here. Oh, so July 7th. So just a few weeks ago. It's really not that old. But it's titled China's Gene Giant Harvest Data from Millions of Women. And it says that a prenatal test used worldwide sends gene data of pregnant women to the company that developed it with Chinese, China's military. And of course, one of the companies it's talking about is BGI. It's the same company that I was talking about in that article. This is a different test that they have, a prenatal test. So if you think BGI, who's also the lead company involved with COVID tests, isn't harvesting data when they just got caught harvesting data from a prenatal test, I would rethink that. So that just to kind of bring in more evidence of why it's concerning that a company would be just collecting 
kids uh, nasal swabs without any sort of protections put in place. It's very and, and, dangerous. And reiterating the point, I mean, this is why it's so obviously a partisan distraction narrative. The China Fauci, that's it, right? End of story. Wuhan Fauci, that's it. Right. Or just the idea that, you know, even during Trump's administration, the concept that is pointing over here and saying, oh, it's all them. They didn't tell us. They didn't let us know. It's all on China. So how do you explain that? Right. How, how is this person that's clearly integrated with the conversation in the vaccine direction with even on Trump's administration, you know, and that they're uh, they're giving your DNA or the fact that they were working with other labs during that same process? I just hope people can see what a flimsy narrative that is, that there's interconnection. This whole thing is completely, at the very least, involving both of these governments together in a lot of different ways and something, you know, the bigger crossover to this direction, the the the, the great reset type direction, the new nanotechnology, mRNA medicine direction is clearly involving all of them together. And I just think they're keeping that from people's view. Yeah, I personally think the folks that kind of fall prey to the like Chicom hysteria are falling into that left-right paradigm because it's just, you know, you, not to say China isn't a danger and a horrible place that like I personally wouldn't want to live in. Obviously the Chinese people are awesome. This beautiful country, all that good stuff, but they have a tyrannical government. There's just no way around that. Right. Right. Like that's what it is. Same thing with Russia. Like they've got some tyrannical things going United States. I would love to hang out with Russians and Chinese folk and have more friends in those country, but I wouldn't want to live under their governments. But I do think buying into that narrative that it's like, Oh, the Russia hysteria or the China hysteria really misses the point that these these fools are already cooperating together. I mean, the Russian, this giant Russian bank was part of Cyber Polygon, like we talked about a couple right. weeks ago. They're like funding that. So you got, if the U.S. was so concerned, why would they be partnering in these different ways with big Russian banks? And why would the U.S. government be partnering with this BGI company that I, I doubt they didn't know before was already harvesting it. They got all this intel, all this data. They don't know what company, you know, they're, they cl- they claim that they're watching companies like Huawei because of 5G, but then meanwhile, they signed contracts with a company that's like stealing people's DNA. Right. So, uh, so yeah, that company though, Coincentric that I was just talking about that is involved in the school testing and that is owned by Ginkgo Bioworks and Ginkgo Bioworks is in, invested in by Bill Gates and, partnered with the World Economic Forum in a number of ways. Well, we look into that company, Coincentric, and I found the guy named Dylan George, who recently joined them. He's the vice president of business development. And they put out a press release talking about, you know, how his he had a wealth of leadership and biosecurity experience. And it mentions that he worked with the U.S. government as and specifically, he also worked as a vice president of NQTEL, which I know plenty of folks in this audience will remember is the CIA's venture capital firm, which is basically the way the CIA invests in companies that they want to steal their technology or they want to support or kind of like, you know, help along and encourage like they've done with Facebook and other companies. So that to me was like, okay, wow, this guy's coming from U.S. government and NQTEL to then sit on like the VP of business development for this coin-centric company that's testing kids for COVID and is owned by a company that calls themselves like an organism company, Biological Design. Uh, This guy also served as a senior advisor for biological threat defense within BARDA, the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, which is, as I know Whitney's talked about this recently uh, as well, that BARDA, as well as some other agencies, uh, I think the other ones like HARPA, or I can't remember what names they've used in the past, they're like the health equivalent to the military industrial complex, DARPA. So, and one dude on that team that is connected to all these other people that is doing COVID testing, you got a guy coming from CIA venture capital firm, US government, and from BARDA uh, within the military industrial complex, like, which I thought was pretty fascinating. That And then, you know, I just did a little perusing of all the different people involved. And, 
You've got uh, Lieutenant General Thomas B. Bostick, who uh, 53rd Chief of Engineers in the U.S. Army and Commanding General of the U.S. Corps of Engineers, a doctor who was a former DARPA program manager uh, in Biological Technologies Office, and the guy I mentioned earlier, Ryan Moorhard, who has served uh, with the World Economic Forum and in their global health security and biological risk areas. So, I mean, U.S. military, DARPA, CIA, World Economic Forum, Bill Gates – all interconnected to this company. And what, what's interesting, though, is if to the individual that has already decided that the government is on their side at all, you know, th- this is, well, you're a conspiracy. These are, these are, of course, well, good, th- good, glad the CIA is watching out for us. You know, this is the kind of mentality that a lot of people have been driven into, whether that's because Biden is now in control, so now they're good, or however naive perspective, you know, is driving it. it that's the problem. And, and this, is, this is literally in contradiction to the history that they have. We can look at their history. We can look at Wikipedia, for crying out loud, completely control Wikipedia and look at all the horrible things the CIA and DARPA and all they have done throughout history. You know what I mean? And this is this is what our job is today, Derek, is to beat our head against the brick wall of basically obvious information that people just don't want to see. You know, we shouldn't be trusting these people, period. Yeah, we definitely should be skeptical. And, and to your point, as far as like, I get that, like that's the trouble with writing articles like this, right? Is I feel like, okay, so if I wanted to, assume that okay, there's going to be some people reading this who world economic forum yeah what are they up to they seem good bill gates is nice yeah you know military that's cool like you have to the article has to be 10 times longer to re-explain every time to people so right. hopefully if somebody's like hey what is the great reset what are these crazy people talking about go click on my bill gates three-part investigation go click on you know the investigation into the great reset in the world economic forum look at some of the reports you've done you know do your if, if you're coming into this and you're feeling like yeah i don't really get why this is bad i don't understand this then you need to do deeper research on the institutions themselves to understand their true motives because or, it's not to be the heroes that they, pro- they promote themselves as. Yeah, I would just add to, add to, your, to, to, to your point before, not necessarily that these are dangerous, but these are concerning, right? So these are just things that are obviously concerning that we should be concerned about and look further into, right? And that's, that's very clear based on their history. Absolutely. And so that's pretty much like the end of the article. There's one like the, in the last section, uh, it's just me kind of putting in some of my personal thoughts in there. But one of the things that I will reiterate is that, you know, the other one of the other companies I found that's funded by Ginkgo Bioworks is called the Kronos Group. And Perfect. they are attempting to use DNA to sequence cannabis plants um, so that they can go in and use like create high quality and, and really pure strains of cannabis. Because for anybody who knows anything about the cannabis plant, you get high content THC, which is a psychoactive component. And then there's CBD as well, which more and more people know about. But there's literally hundreds of other components to the cannabis plant. And we know so little about it. And some of them, the plants might have like, they've got CBN or CBAA, CBDA and these other components, but there's only in tiny amounts. So you, it, you know, people have learned to use natural methods in parts of the, the world, like California and other places in Colorado to try to naturally breed plants that could be high in content of some of these different, um, you know, these different molecules. But there's also the way that they're going about it, which is to go into the DNA code, the genomic structure of the cannabis plant itself and say, hey, well, look, this we found out that this molecule can fight cancer or whatever. Right. Well, let's boost that up and produce a plant that's high in that content. Like that could be really awesome. That could be really powerful. Right. That's one of the things they're also funding. So I just want to like bring that home is that like there are a lot of concerning things about this company. And I definitely think we should keep our eyes on them in the coming months and years because I don't think they're going away. I think they're going to become more and more important. But we should also 
not just, I think that there's a, there's another tendency. The tendencies I see are like, okay, to guilt by association. Somebody's connected to this person by one to two degrees. And that's, that's not necessarily enough for me. There's gotta be more than just, oh, look, they hung out with them one time at dinner or something, or they worked for the company, but they might've worked in the same company and they lit, they worked in a totally different office, never met the person, right? But whatever. But there's also, I think, some people slipping into being anti-technology and kind of just like a rejecting all this because I do love science. I think science is amazing. The scientific method and what can be accomplished when you don't have tyrants running things is really powerful and has got our world to the place that we are now and could take us in a really cool futuristic kind of world that does maybe heal sicknesses and do different things. If we can get down and do, you know, use the technology they're talking about it also has extremely scary implications. Like, but both of those things are existing. So I don't think people should just be like, Oh, somebody's working in a lab, like, yeah, destroy it, you know, or whatever. It's it's not inherently good or bad at the end of the day. Right. And at least most things aren't, but see, I I would, what's funny is you're, you're probably describing me right there. This is how, this is how I feel today. Right. I mean, it's hard for me to look at something like this and, and think, why are we trying? Like, Personally, I think the cannabis plant, the way it was designed is absolutely fantastic the way it is. And there's a lot of health benefits that we're ignoring right this moment, you know, and what's funny is that there were, I just, I don't trust the intentions. As I said before, they're digging into this thing and I think they're going to try to patent it, work it, sell it, right? That's what this will become in my opinion, based on the society and system we live in that the government's created. But also I just don't think at an inherent level, my opinion, that that kind of action is the direction we should be taking science in, right? Science can be used in a lot of ways that aren't altering biology, that aren't altering natural states of things, you know? That's one aspect. That's the direction they're trying to drive us in, the bioengineering direction. I just, I personally, you know, I could be personal, I could be completely wrong. I find it to be the, the entire discussion problematic. Like, for instance, taking the concept of what they use in regard to bioengineering for viruses, vaccines, they tell you that they're making these things dangerous so they can then make things to protect you, which is ridiculous on its face because you're pretending someone somewhere in the world is going to just stumble organically into the thing you made, especially in this room. You know, it's just they're making weapons, right? And so whether or not you think they're doing something good, I don't think altering and manipulating these things is is a positive direction, even if they were actually trying to do good, because we don't know what we're doing. I mean, at the end of the day, we don't know what the consequences of injecting this mRNA or, you know, in in the long term will do. So my personal opinion is I think these kind of things should be avoided, but maybe I'm archaic in that mindset. But you're right to point out that it doesn't mean inherently that they're bad. It just means that we need to be very concerned about the people who are always waiting behind the scenes to grab these things and use them for their own agendas, you know? No, I agree with you and 100%. And to your last point, I think it's sort of the last thing I I said in that article is that, Mm -hmm. you know, that these people, at the end of the day, the people behind the Great Reset and the folks who, I mean, look, Ginkgo Bioworks could be made up of scientists that are totally neutral and just creating technology. They're just, you know, in their little tunnel vision, creating the thing that they want to create, but they're being, they're partnered with and they're being funded by people who have other agendas. And that is without a doubt true. And so when you think about that, like the great reset, as I say in there, they're trying to shift us into this AI driven internet of bodies, human, where human life can be altered or turned off or, you know, uh, modified and at, at the press of a button, you know, like they back to the operating systems idea. Right. And then you have companies like Ginkgo Bioworks who are saying that they're trying to hack the genetic code to bend organic life to their will, whether that's, you know, to help plants or to grow better weed or help the farmer, whatever it may be, it could also be really crazy. And as I say there, whatever positives may be gleaned from these efforts, the end result is the same, that humanity, as you were just describing, is 
some of us at least are aiming to play God. And, you know, what I ask is like, should we be playing God in this fashion? Because the answer to that is really going to shape the direction we go. And I tend to say no. Well, I do think it's interesting scientifically. And yeah, there's, I mean, I, I look at some of my favorite sci-fi movies growing up and it's like, man, I wish we could have that world. Some of those things would be so cool. But then I, I also, the older I've got, I realized like, man, these shows never show you the dark side of how that, cause like, okay, well the world might be like that, but you don't have any privacy anymore. You don't have, you know, maybe right. you don't own anything, but you got like a hoverboard or whatever the, you know, technology they try to show. Right. But it seems like for one reason or another, those worlds that are potentials out there, they don't come without immense loss of freedoms and exactly. privacy and, you know, some people being in positions where they're playing God basically. Right. Because, you know, that it's just, I think that, you know, we can learn a lot. And as I started earlier, I would recommend everybody who wants to see what that world looks like to go watch that movie Gattaca. You can watch it online for free. It is, it's a good movie, but it's also, think about it in terms of what we're seeing in our world today. And you'll know exactly what I'm talking about because if companies like Ginkgo Bioworks do decide to put their technology to the ends of the Great Reset, like their partners in the World Economic Forum and their investors at, and Bill Gates want to do, then this technology could absolutely create a two or three class society where the people who have the money and the, the power and the technology can modify themselves and become transhuman, superhuman, whatever. And the rest of us could suffer other ways, or these technologies could be used to punish people. You know, that's one of the other big things, right? Is like, once you get this type of technology in your body, or they say, you know, cause they don't specifically mention Ginkgo Bioworks doesn't say they're doing this for humans yet, but clearly this could be used in the same way, like mm -hmm. to turn off a certain expression in a human being. Once you find that's the reason they want to understand the genomic code, because they claim, well, once we find the switch that causes cancer, we just flip that switch off. But what if you find the switch that encourages people to think for themselves or to question authority? Or, you know, maybe maybe it really is written in our DNA code down to that specific level. Well, and what and if, if you understand it, you can. Sorry, I forgot our delay. <laughs> no, go ahead. I said, what, what if you switch that switch and other things happen too, right? In a situation where you don't fully know the consequences and that's what we, playing God, exactly. Exactly, you know? yeah, exactly. So I just, you know, I agree with you there. I think that it is an interesting technology. And like I said, if we were in maybe a, a different world then maybe it could be applied cool. And it could still be, the, the point was that you would still have a choice, right? And that's the other point I made there at the end of this article is again, I don't think that this is an organic push, right? Are the people out there saying, like, hey, guys, we want to live in 6G world and we want, uh, you know, mo genetically modified everything and all this. Or is it more people, more top down driven predator class stuff saying, hey, this is the world we're going to transform for the rest of you guys, you know. Mm -hmm. And as I say, there is the global population organically calling for this or is this the World Economic Forum and their partners pushing it? That's what we have to ask, because, yeah, I think it is cool. But I also don't know people who are out there other than scientists who are like, yeah, this is cool. We, we have the tools now. Why aren't we using them? And that's kind of like, it reminds me of, again, the connection between the military industrial complex that we've seen for decades and the biosecurity complex, medical complex that we've seen in the last year that now it's like, in the same way that the military swears, we need new funding every year. We got to have the latest equipment. Yeah, we've got submarines, but we need more submarines. We got, you know, old F-16s that are just rotten away, but we need more. You know, they, they're going to mm -hmm. find an excuse like a terrorist attack or something to right. get bigger budgets. Well, now the 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 bio, the bio complex, the biosecurity complex, the biomedical complex, they want funding. They want projects like this, right? Like, because if mm -hmm. these kinds of things fell out of favor, then they wouldn't be getting grants. They wouldn't be getting money. They wouldn't be getting private investors. But clearly there are a class of people who want to push things in this direction.
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we this is a this is a boon right now. This is the biggest boon. This is the heyday for this industry. They are swimming in money where they've never seen before right now, right? I mean, Moderna, all the rest of them. And that's obviously something they will lean into. And this is, I mean, this is probably why we're seeing them go, oh my gosh, look at a case of the plague over here. Look at monkeypox we see here. And there's really, and the, when you dig in, you're like, oh, well, it's not really dangerous and they recover quickly. And this, so why are they screaming about that? And the big dangerous headline, because it's about keeping people in a state of, oh my gosh. You know, I know people right near me that are every moment, every little flinch about something, they're putting their mask back on, they're running inside. You know, it's like, that is what's happening today. And I think your point is really important about the two-tier concept. That is what this comes down to when you start playing this game. And this has been written about since the beginning of this conversation, decades ago, that look, this only goes one way. You're going to have us, I mean, look at the way our society's always gone. Something new is introduced. It's not equal for everybody. People have money. People have clout. So suddenly they're going to have only people who can afford to use the best genetic, you know, and you're going to end up with people who have different, it'll become two species. That's not hyperbole. Over the, let's just take it hundred years down the line and all the rich people have constantly made themselves stronger, faster, blue eyed baby, this and that, you know, whatever, edited themselves into a way that they continue to make better and better where the people who are poor, well, they don't have that access. So, I mean, it just doesn't take very hard to realize that's going to create two very different groupings of people. And then it will become exactly like what you're talking about. And I don't, that for all I know, that might be the plan. I mean, we're really tying in the eugenics discussion here. I mean, we could do a whole other hour about the eugenics top on top of everything we just went over, but you know, for another day, but it, that that's what alarms me the most is that there's intentions behind this, even at a small level that are very much with that in mind. And I, and your major point in here is that it doesn't mean everybody involved in all of this has negative intentions. The best of intentions could be hijacked, led in the wrong way. And that's why I think this public private, the world economic forum, kind of like gathering everybody under this umbrella, that's what's happening in my opinion. And it's going to get to a point where they're going to utilize it as they see fit for the direction because they already signed on. They accepted the money. They took, you know, we're part of your group now and that's the direction they're committed to. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess the final point I'll make, man, for again, thanks for letting me come and talk about this article, because I feel like nobody really knows who Ginkgo Bioworks is. Hopefully after this conversation, more people will go read the article and get into the links that I linked to, because I just know that uh, nobody knows who this company is. Maybe they're not going to read this article, but it felt important for me to, to write about it and talk about it. And I will just say that, you know, a lot of the last year, vaccines, masks, everything, it always comes back for me personally, beyond just Clearly, you know better than most people that the science is bogus. It's not really there on a lot of things they're claiming. But for me, it always just comes back to like bodily autonomy. Like, look, if I don't want to wear a mask, I'm not going to wear a mask. You can show me studies. You can tell me that the vaccine does this or the shot does this and that, whatever. But if at the end of the day, I say I don't want to participate in that, then I believe in bodily autonomy. And I believe that I, just like you and everybody else, has the freedom to decide. And so I just want to mention that to mention that when we're talking about this bio modification, transhumanists, like it's already here to some degree. There are already people who are biohacking, you know, who are learning about how to modify their bodies and trying out untested drugs on themselves. And I, it's, it's pretty crazy to, to some people, but I also believe in bodily autonomy and I believe that you should have the right to do it if you choose. And there are going to be people that we know and care about that want to put a computer chip in their brain or want to put a camera in their eye or want to, you know, take this genetically engineered thing to their DNA that promises them they'll be stronger or faster or whatever. And people are going to experiment with this. And to me, so long as it's voluntary, and of course, 
people have access to all the information, which will probably not be the case, then, you know, so be it. Let people modify their bodies and do whatever. And that's a reality we'll have to deal with. You know, there will be people who will choose to take these things and maybe they do work and maybe they end up faster and smarter and sort of human 2.0 while we're still old school human 1.0 or whatever. And that will have some really powerful implications for society, even without the talking about the control and the great reset and eugenics and everything, just that alone will change our world. But at the end of the day, I think as long as these things remain voluntary, then there can be some semblance of freedom. Of course, like as we've seen, voluntary doesn't always mean that you have multiple choices, right? Like, so the vaccine's voluntary, but hey, you can't go anywhere and do anything without having it, right? Yeah, and like soon voluntary. it could come from just being like the card or the QR code to being like, no, you have to get the little implant thing that you scan. That's what a lot of people are afraid of, right? It could realistically get in that way because as Whitney and you have talked about and I've written about, the wearables and the injectables is definitely some of the technology that they're investing in and talking about. So your health pass, as they've already got in the UK, that's already basically a vaccine passport that you have to use for, you know, healthcare and whatever else or to get around. After a while, people aren't going to want to carry their phones. It will just be simpler. We've already seen places in Sweden and other testing out like, oh, I just scanned my chip and it lets me into work or whatever. You know, you've seen those examples. So it won't be long before those things do switch. And then that's where I think it gets problematic, right? Because then what happens when it's like, well, you can't get in without that chip, right? Well, you mean you don't have your QR code? You don't have your barcode? What, you know, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you up to date with technology? But to me, to wrap it up with a solution, I think that's why it comes back to like, we have to build our communities, whether that's in wherever you're living, in the United States, in England, the UK, Australia, Mexico, wherever, or if you wanna to move to a town where there's more people, whatever it means, like we need to get like the people who are of like mind like this come together because even the World Economic Forum acknowledges in their infamous, you know, you will own nothing and be happy uh, thing from 2016, that little fake description of a future then with the person's reflecting, you know, there's a section where they mention Oh, some people technology moved too fast for them and they live on the outside of, on the edges of town now. These are the people who technology was going too fast or they rejected it. You know, they live different lives outside of the city. Yeah, that's us. We're going to be living different lives outside mm -hmm. of the city while people stay in these smart city control grids and they can put chips in their body and they can genetically engineer their DNA if they want and do whatever and hopefully the people we care about won't end up in a genetic prison, which is what I think this is really all about. I think I've said this before that COVID-1984 is really about colonization and the next level, which is colonization of the genetic code of humanity, the DNA. They're trying to colonize this down to the DNA level. So clearly we want to educate people about these concerns, but ultimately like people are going to have to make their choices, you know? Yep. Yep. I mean, that's the joke about these, these, you know, my body, my choice is suddenly the same people are literally the opposite. It just shows you how ridiculous politics are in general, but you know, Klaus Schwab himself, before COVID-19, of course, and now it's fake news because it's before 2020, so it doesn't exist. He said openly that this is a transition. It goes from, you know, what we're doing now, it'll become wearables and then wearables to implants. That's what he, that's his path, right? So this is not a secret. And yet we'll point to that and that's like fake news, you know? It's literally something that is the direction. And of course, as you say, you already see the path for why that makes logical sense within what they're laying out for you. Not that I agree with it, but that they're laying, they're creating it to where he goes, well, look, it's obvious. It's going to become cumbersome. You're not going to have your phone. All this stuff's going to be a problem, you know, whatever it is. And they're going to say, okay, well, it's simple. Here's your solution. Problem, reaction, solution. Just like everything else we talk about, you know, and, and interesting, you brought up the transhumanist, you know, it's because it, it's different than exactly they're, they're definitely connected, but we talked about the bio manipulation part of it and how you're, you know, genetic engineering specifically about the different species, but you're at the same point with transhumanism, right? You can do a chip, 
Now, suddenly you're faster, suddenly you're stronger. It's the same kind of thing, you know, and either way these are going, you're seeing a split between the classes, you know, and that's what this has always really been to a degree. Uh, uh, geez, I'm blanking on the term all of a sudden, eugenics, like we just talked about, you know, it's, it's all, it's all very much there. So thank, thank you yep. for talking this through again, Derek. I think this is, this stuff is so very important. I mean, obviously we, you're, we need to put our money where our mouth is, right? To use an old expression, we need to literally start living our lives the way that we know is, is productive against what's trying to be built. And it may end up, like you said, where we're off <laughs> some different place, living our lives the way we believe in, but it always has to be our choice. And we can see that's clearly what they're trying to take away from us. So thank you for being here and talking about this. Anything else you want to leave for us before we leave today? No, man. Thanks again. I will just, uh, I'm going to tease this announcement. I'll be making an announcement later, but I just wanted to share this because it's in line with what you're talking about. You know, I think that it's probably more important than ever for us to really, like you said, put our money where our mouth is, put our actions where our words are. And uh, I've been living in Mexico and I'm still kind of going to be based in Mexico, but I am going to be coming back to the US in September and October and trying to do a tour of sorts, a speaking tour slash, you know, get involved in your community tour, talking about these ideas. And, uh, you know, you and I mentioned this before recording, uh, we're definitely going to do something in your area and I'm going to try to partner with other activists and this will be in September, October, more details will be coming. But if anybody's interested in hosting an event like that, where we could come to the city, we could, you know, do a presentation on these ideas and, um, you know, I'm going to be traveling and, and trying to do some volunteering in different communities while, while we're doing the talks as well. If that interests you, please do reach out to me, either one of us. And cause I think it's, it just feels like, man, like we, we know we're not long for the internet and, I mean, we didn't even get into this topic again for another day, but man, the the propaganda against people like us is just getting real, real strong. I've noticed in the last week, and it's not just vague domestic extremists; it's anti-science, it's 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 anti anti-science empire that we're a part of now, right? And uh, you know, the people out there like Dr. Peter Hotez are working real hard to try to make a connection between cyber criminals and terrorists and people like us. And so, I think it's going to become more important than ever for us to be face to face with people, shaking hands, giving hugs you know, seeing smiles and sharing these ideas in places that can't be shut down. So yeah, if anybody's interested in that, please, uh, you know, please reach out to us. And again, thanks for having me on brother. Absolutely. Hey, maybe this will be the first interview you'll see with the full room when Derek comes in, we'll get this all set up. We're looking forward to that, man. It'll be fun. But yeah. Th this, this is, <laughs> it's obvious the direction that this is being taken that they're, they're it's this completely disconnected from the reality kind of direction where we're literally covering peer-reviewed science where, I mean, I actually have them all, like I have links on my phone. I would love to see someone try to take this to court and be like, prove to me that I'm spreading misinformation. I'll bring up all my displays, right? Here's all the peer-reviewed research. Like that probably would ever happen because I doubt it's going to be a real process, but it's ridiculous to see where we are, where we are, as I've been, I've become kind of accustomed to describing us irritatingly objective <laughs> we are going out of our way to be objective and look at the period and we're still misinformation and we're dangerous it's just it's crazy but thank you for being here talking this through i'll leave you with a video as well on the way out here guys that'll ring true with the conversation today so as always question everything come to your own conclusions stay vigilant today the job of building this nation geographically is completed there are no new frontiers within our borders. So, to what new horizons can we look now? Where are tomorrow's opportunities? What's ahead for you, for your children? The frontiers of the future are not on any map. They are in the test tubes and laboratories of the great industries
The Jacobardi case was one of the great judicial moments in world history, and the public was totally unaware it was actually happening as the process was being engaged. General Electric and Professor Jacobardi went to the patent office with a little microbe that eats up oil spills. They said they had modified this microbe in the laboratory, and therefore it was an invention. The patent office, the U.S. government, took a look at this, quote, invention. They said, no way. The patent statutes don't cover living things. This is not an invention. Turn down. Then General Electric and Dr. Jacobardi appealed to the U.S. Customs Court of Appeal. And to everyone's surprise, by a three-to-two decision, they overrode the patent office. They said this microbe looks more like a detergent or a reagent than a horse or a honeybee. I laughed because they didn't understand basic biology. It looked like a chemical to them. Had it had an antenna or eyes or wings or legs, it would never have crossed their table and been patented. Then the patent office appealed, and what the public should realize now is the patent office was very clear that you can't patent life. My organization provided the main amicus curiae brief. If you allow the patent on this microbe, we argued, it means that without any congressional guidance or public discussion, corporations will own the blueprints of life. When they made the decision, we lost by five to four, and Chief Justice Warren Burger said, "Sure, some of these are big issues, but we think this is a small decision." Seven years later, the U.S. Patent Office issued a one-sentence decree: "You can patent anything in the world that's alive, except a full-birth human being." We've all been hearing about the announcement that we have mapped the human genome, but what the public doesn't know is now there's a great race by genomic companies and biotech companies and life science companies to find the treasure in the map. The treasure are the individual genes that make up the blueprint of the human race. Every time they capture a gene and isolate it, these biotech companies claim it is intellectual property. The breast cancer gene, the cystic fibrosis gene, it goes on and on and on. If this goes unchallenged in the world community, within less than 10 years, a handful of global companies will own directly or through license the actual genes that make up 
the evolution of our species. And they're now beginning to patent the genomes of every other creature on this planet.